Blog Talk Radio. And where's uh, the Pagan Tonight opening? Hi, welcome everybody to Pagan Tonight Radio as part of our thing. I'm at the Pagan, and today we're presenting the mystical minds, a mystical minds convention that was to be originally held in California uh, by the beautiful uh, Melanie Marquis. And because of all these events that are happening, which we're not going to deal with today, because um, we're going to have a lovely show. And today's show is going to be about divination and tools and the best tips. So, Melanie, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for oh, having good. us on again tonight. And, oh, no, absolutely. Well, you were going to be good enough to host me there so I could be filming and doing – we would be doing exactly the same thing if if this had not interfered. Right? Hmm? Only with much, um, many more of us. <laughs> Oh, sure, and I would have had a camera, and I would have been probably really busy, and I missed that opportunity. But this is the least we can do. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about I saw divination, divination tools, limits and capabilities, sharing our best tips. So that sounds like an amazing yeah, I'm really opportunity. Excited. And so um, yeah, we have some wonderful and, presenters. So we're going to be here with you for the next hour and fifty-eight minutes, up to. Um, and uh, well, first, uh, let me go ahead and bring Julian Rain on. Give me one second. And uh, there we go. Are you there, Julia? Why are the gremlins affecting did the we, board today? Did we lose her? Well, let me tell you all a little no, bit about Julia No, no, we didn't Julia lose her. Rain. My board won't. No, my board won't move. So Julia's there. Hi, Julia. I'm here. Hello? Of course oh, you are. I'm here. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so, listeners, Julia Rain, a.k.a. Witch Cat, she reads traditional tarot, intuitive tarot, and oracle cards. And she also enjoys teaching palmistry, numerology, and astrology. So she's very well-versed in uh, many types of divination. Um, can you tell us, Julia, a little bit about yourself and um, what type of divination that you enjoy the most? Oh, um, that would definitely be tarot. I've been reading tarot for the last 20 years, and I've been studying it, studying like traditional tarot really intensely for about the last two years, and I've always loved it, but I feel like this, I've, the system that I learned is very, very clear it's, it's, um, and accurate, and so it's very grounding. I love that it's kind of grounded in the traditional structure just enough that it lets my intuition kind of fly. Nice. And so, what so do you have a favorite tarot deck? I have to ask. Do you have a favorite um, tarot or oracle you like? Hmm, that's really tough. Um, because my my um, let's see, probably right now would definitely be the Heal Yourself reading cards by Ina Siegel, just because the artwork is so spectacular. It's a very um. It's a deck that really cuts to the heart. When I do readings for clients, sometimes they're really struck by the art and how intense it is, but I find that it, it opens people up a lot because when you're looking at a picture, it's stirring something in you. It's just the way if you were if you were looking at art, and then it's like following that feeling. Nice. I see in your bio here that you've been uh, practicing the tarot since you were 12, so you kind of grew up or divination, huh? 
I did. I was raised as a witch, so I've been doing, you know, uh, astrology, tarot, witchcraft for forever. So nice. I feel like that gives that gives us an advantage. I was lucky like that too, and I think that if you're raised around it, you don't you ever have the doubt that uh, most people do about it. You know, you just kind of take it for granted that that's what people do, and that's you know, totally reality. <laughs> So that's that's very. Um, do we have anybody? Is anybody else with us yet, Ed? Or can we talk? Yes, to... we have Beth with us now. Wonderful. Beth Silent, are Be- you there? Oh, oh no, yeah, I, I think it, it is. We're... Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Beth, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of your of your story? Okay, so my story started roughly when I was a junior, senior in college, and I happened to go home over winter break, and my sister had this uh, Palladini deck of tarot cards, and I'd never seen tarot cards before, much less heard about them, and my mother and sister had gone, had their readings, my sister got a tarot deck, and I had just completed a class on semiotics where Semiotics is when a person, when we as a society, when we see artwork, we break it down to the icons, the signs, the symbols, the signifiers. And then by pulling things apart, we walk away with a better understanding as to what the imagery is seeing. And then we piece it all back together again to, you know, have a better sense of what we're looking at. So suddenly this deck of 78 pieces of artwork, and I'm sitting there going through semiotics, process with this and I just fell in love with tarot and from that point on once I had my degree and then I started asking well why couldn't I make my own deck and then I started to I started working through the symbols what did they mean to me started questioning well why does the symbol mean this and how could I make it more relevant to how I saw things in the modern world and one thing led to another and to today and 20 plus years later and four tarot decks and well that are mass produced and I think I'm at around 100 decks so far that I've created yeah through different yes, ways Beth has such an, you have such an awesome amazing body of work I'm sorry to interrupt you but I just want to let everybody know please check out her work she has underscoring herself she has so, so many wonderful, wonderful art decks and mass-produced decks that are very, very creative. They're just one of a kind. Um, I think you bring a very unique perspective to the tarot from how you how you got interested in it and, um, you know, just, just your ways of thinking about things. I feel like you have a a unique um, a unique take on it. Uh, do you okay. feel like that your life oh. experience is giving you a different perspective on the tarot? Yes, uh, a lot of my life experiences are actually embedded within the tarot. So a lot of the characters you see, they're actually representative of either a, a divination, such as the Guardian Tarot, which is about tree spirits. Uh, the Blue Cat Tarot is about my Siamese cat and capturing her life and mind and in my mindset of okay, so if I'm a Siamese cat and I see, you know, how would I react in the situation of the tarot card if I was a cat 
and like her body language and everything. I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, here's this cat and she's totally living the life of a tarot. And I decided to document it. And so that's how that deck came about. And some of my other decks, when we're talking about divination and connecting to the spiritual side of ourselves, I do from time to time when I'm caught in certain situations, create decks that are more divinational in manner where taking pieces of paper and doing a watercolor painting on them, then cutting them down to size. And then as I'm just basically make like a homemade deck with no drawings on them, but they're colored and then start shuffling them. And then as I'm thinking about what's going on in the current situation, say uh, love, for instance, I would consider myself, okay, so how do I see myself in the role of love, like sharing love, if I'm practicing the hermit, like right now? <laughs> We're all inside. We all have to be hermits. And how am I showing love? And so as I'm shuffling a de- this deck of just pre-painted cards, one might happen to fall out or I might draw one, and then I just sit and I contemplate how the colors are reacting. Do I Can I find images within them? And then using a color pencil, oil, um, oil pastels, markers, and just to find those hidden images. And suddenly I have this deck that is very much connected to the here and the now, and it works on a very different level than most other tarot decks that I've done. So if anyone's looking for a project to do, there's one for us to work on while we're all sitting home. Yeah, where can people find more information about about um about your work? I know you oh, have a deck that's see. coming out pretty soon next year, right? Yes, and that is the Ravenous Dragon Tarot. And that is uh, basically a capture of experiences that have happened since January of 2016 after I got divorced and rebuilding my life and mentors and building my own life and my own friends here in California. And some of the ones that, some of the people that have come into my life that have had the most profound effect on me and have really altered how I perceive myself, my world, and building everything together. And so I feature myself as a raven through it, but, you know. And, yes, that's coming out. It's due in 2021. And usually if you search my name, I have, I'm on, I'm prolifically on Facebook an awful lot, probably way more than I should be. I do have a website. I, I do have a WordPress. I do, I will admit I do need to keep better track of that when they give more updates. I also have an Etsy shop that I post most of my decks to as well. And generally, if you simply go to any of those and you have any questions, just simply reach out and contact me. And I'm more than happy to respond back and tell you about the inspiration. And, yeah. All right. So I see your your website here, if anybody wants to visit, it's BethSilonen.com, S-E-I-L-O-N-E-N. And so I've got to ask you one more question before we loop in our other guests and get to really discussing things. But with all the decks that you have created, Beth, what, what one have you enjoyed making the most? The one I've enjoyed making the most? Okay, uh, okay. The one I've enjoyed making the most I've had had the most profound crossing over into like a 
divination, mediumship, reach out connection is the Dream Raven Tarot. And that one, I couldn't draw those images fast enough because they kept coming in, like a channeling happened with that particular deck. And even while I was making that deck, I'd had this dream about seeing this crow out on the Chesapeake River. And I yelled across, you know, crow. And the the bird completely ignored me. She was stretching around her leg and she was swearing up a storm. And as her body floated down the river and in between this birch tree, I then yelled out raven. And her face then looked at me and suddenly her face wasn't a raven face. It was like this ghostly, like, doll face that you see on like those haunted dolls and her on the side of her head uh, they were the feathers had braided themselves and she looked at me shocked that I was seeing her and then yeah then the weekend that I started drawing that it was reader studio that weekend and I started doodling that deck on the plane and during the classes and everything I just I kept having to draw this um goddess over and over in all these 22 pictures and as I was sitting with Gina Jean or Gina 2.0 some people call her in the uh, hotel lounge area that evening and all of a sudden Gina reached up and she like felt around her neck and I looked at her and said Gina you know your necklaces are all still there she says no she says I felt a feather being run across my neck and she's like, you know, Crawhay, the goddess is here. What do you want to know? And I just remember looking at her saying, well, what do you ask a goddess? Really? What do you ask for the gods? And so these, that particular deck, as far as like channeling and connecting to some other divine force, mm-hmm. when I was working in that, it is, it, that was, probably the most profound one of all of them. Nice. It really reset my mind as to there's way more out there than we know. At least That's that I know. Anyway. phenomenal. Yeah, I think it gives you a unique perspective on divination to be a creator of divination tools. And we all, we all tonight, we all have different, different methods and different styles of divination. So I'm really excited to talk to everyone about that and you know hopefully we can some tips tonight about you know um what we think about divination and you know accuracy and how to make it more accurate and things like that um i'd like to go ahead and loop into the conversation um do we have megan dan Moore with us yet and charles hey, and charles yes we have everybody with yeah us. awesome Hello. awesome well, welcome. So we're here. So everybody's here we're easier okay. brighter faster so, Welcome. Yep. Let me just introduce. Yes. Awesome. Let me tell you a little bit about Megan and Charles. So, Megan Damore, am I saying that name right? Is that correct, Damore? Uh, it's Damore. It's Italian. Damore. I'm so sorry. So, like the Megan the, the, the word amore means love. Oh, right. So, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. As you can tell, I might be from the South and don't know how to pronounce anything no, correctly. No, no, that's <laughs> okay. That's fine. That's My fine. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I may get someone's name wrong who's from somewhere else. I mean, that's just part of language and regional dialects that are unavoidable in a nation so large. 
Well, you would know because Megan De Amore is a social sociocultural anthropologist and a longtime pagan, so you you know all about people. Um, she specializes in studying human behavior and why we do things the way we do in our society, how that compares to other societies and what aspects of human life are natural versus cultural. Megan's degree includes a concentration regarding social and environmental justice, including studies of gender, race, socioeconomic status, religion, and other cultural markers in modern societies, as well as a concentration in political and anthropology. And Charles is here with us. Um, Charles Ho is a second-generation Chinese-American and a fluent Cantonese speaker. Charles has third-degree black belts in Taekwondo and Karate, as well as a black belt in Chinese Wushu. As a person of mixed genetic heritage, Charles has always been concerned with issues of race and social justice. So we were going to have these wonderful people were actually excited to perform a ritual and martial arts demonstration at our convention that we've sadly had to postpone till who knows when. We're all in the same boat hoping together that this will get out of this that there will be a day when we can again meet, meet again. But I'm so excited to have you on. Can you tell me a little bit, Megan, about the type of divination that you do? Um. Yes. So I read... Uh... Norse runes, uh, specifically the Elder Futhark, and I also read Druidome, which is the Irish tree alphabet. There are actually over 150 different types of ohm, but that's the one I use. Um, Both alphabets are pretty old. As far as we can tell, we can date them to about the 4th century, CE, so Common Era, what we use instead of Anno Domini, since um, most of us here probably aren't Christian. (laughs) And uh, and so those are the two um, main methods I use for divination. I also have, relatedly, uh, an oracular practice, which I'm just learning. Um, I help. (laughs) Sorry. He does way more than help. Um, when we do <laughs> our Chinese ritual, he does all the stuff. I just talk. Um, I just help. But no. <laughs> he, um, so humble, Charles. When you're in ritual, you can really feel him moving the chi in the room. It's very amazing. So trust me, he's he's modest. Uh, Charles, I cannot wait to meet you in person. I really hope that the time will come when we can see you, you guys' wonderful um, martial arts demonstrations and join in a ritual with you both. That would be awesome. Um, so let's move on. I want to talk about um, our first question that I want to ask everybody. Uh, Julia Rain, I'd like to start with you, please. Um, I would like to ask, um, so divination, as we know, it's, it's so accurate in hindsight, you know, we might misinterpret something very easily, but in retrospect we can see, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's what it is. So what I'd like to talk about is um, what you what you guys think are the the limitations of divination and also what can it do? Like what, what can you learn through divination and what kinds of information like does it have any limits or are there certain things that you can't predict through divination? Are there certain things that can be predicted 
through divination. So what are your thoughts on that, Julia? I think it's up to the cards, honestly, because um, sometimes my readings are, are very accurate and I'm able to definitively say certain things. I can say, you know, no, this relationship is not in your best interest. I can say, yes, I do seeing you have a child eventually. You know, these are things like that I've seen and it's been totally clear. But then on the other side of that, there can be people who want a specific answer to a question and that's not what the cards want to tell them. And, you know, that's, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of just channeling for the cards for that wisdom to come into other people is how I feel about it. And sometimes they're not supposed to know. And sometimes they're supposed to make the choice themselves. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying mm-hmm. like, if somebody has a specific question, I'm like, maybe the tarot wants to answer that, but I can't promise. <laughs> I'm not sure. We'll try to get to that if it comes up. You know? <laughs> so yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Beth Silenin, do you have any comment on what, what do you think are the limitations and abilities of divination? What you're willing to see is, okay, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit here. A few months ago, uh, about a six, seven, well, yeah, about in mid-January, I was asking some cards because normally I go on a trip in April. And I was like, okay, so where am I going to go on my trip? And all these cards kept saying, you're staying home. You're working. You're staying home. <laughs> and Marsha McCord, uh, I, I reached out to one of my friends, and I was like, what's going on? I said, I, I, I know, I'm, you know, I'm going to go travel. I always travel every April. And Marsha, you know, because I had my limits, I was so set on I'm going to go somewhere, but all the cards are telling me, you know, oh, you're staying home. And she said, well, you know, it's not a matter of, she gave me a different insight at the time. Like, oh, it's like you can't go. Like there's been travel restrictions. Flash forward ahead three months later, here we are, travel restrictions. I can't go anywhere. But at the time, because of my lens and what I was willing to see, I didn't want to see that reality because I had my heart so set on traveling and seeing my friends, going to Europe, you know, and suddenly, you know, they were they were predicting, they were telling me how it was going to go down, but did I want to listen was the next part of it. And so when we go towards prediction and sometimes, like, just like uh, the prior aunt's lady that just answered, um, yes, there are times when the cards will want to talk about it and there are times when, no, that's not what needs to be on the table. And so with the limitations on prediction, yeah, you know, sometimes you don't want to see what the answer really is, and sometimes you're just not meant to know either. Like, why is there a travel restriction? Never came up. You know, I thought I was going to get sick or something and come to find out, no, it's everybody else around me. Uh, Let's see, what else? And as far as how I perceive them within my decks and everything, as far as like the limitations that I find within using my tarot card. Uh, I started designing and since my divorce and everything, and I realized that in order for me to achieve my goals and what I wanted to happen in my own future, there are times when I needed to make sure to take care of myself so that I could be the best person possible so that when that opportunity arrives, I'm ready for it. 
So having the cards that I currently am designing and working on now, it it takes that prediction part away from it and starts putting it back on ownership of a person. Well, if you want this to happen, what are the steps and what's the plan for you to get there? So I, I've started moved, moving away from the predicting components in my work. Uh-oh. Um, okay, now I hear you. Oh, everything's Hello? working. So, yeah, it's just a matter of people talking. I didn't Hello? Know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, uh, Melanie you. dropped. Yeah. I apologize. Here we go. So she's right back here. Well, somehow, so Melanie's right back here. Oh, here we go. Really? Hello? Melanie? Okay. Yeah. I'm here. I'm just confusing everybody, I think. And my tarot cards did not predict this. <laughs> That's okay. But they should have. <laughs> But yeah, but mm-hmm. what Beth was speaking on, I think, is really important point. That um, you know, it's only it, you know we need to we need to be the ones in charge of our destiny. So anything that's predicted through divination, that that's one limitation of it right there. As I see it, is that you know you need to act on it and you need to do your part. And as um, Beth was saying, you need to be ready to to hear the information as it is. Um, I like to say that you know tarot cards are hardly ever wrong but you, they're easy to misinterpret, like you might not see it to begin with. Like all the early readings I did about our Mystical Minds Convention were really, really positive. The cards indicated that we had a great vision, that my business plan was sound. But then every single reading would end with the tower, the tower card. I kept getting it. I thought the tower means you know unexpected destruction, you know, chaos. So honestly, I took it literally, and I'm like, maybe there's going to be an earthquake in this area where I'm looking at this hotel. Maybe I should choose a different hotel. But in retrospect, I'm like, oh yeah, the tower. That's what it meant, obviously. But you know, how could I interpret? Oh, this means some mysterious virus is going to come mess everything up for everybody. Like, I didn't see that coming. But um, so uh, Megan, do you have any any comments? Insights on what you feel are the limitations or abilities of divination. Yes, um, actually, building on uh, what you guys have been saying is absolutely speaking to me. Now, I have a a real-life example as well. Um, In the kindred that Charles and I belong to, we read runes for the whole year at the beginning of January. And... Uh, So what we got, and I'm going to try to be brief, is for January, we picked three runes per per month. For January, we got Burkano, Perthro, Ingvaj. Burkano is the female rune, and I'm, I'm, again, this is really brief meetings. Perthro is the dice cup, and Ingvaj is the seed, and also sometimes associated with fertility, but not always of the body. Um, for February, we got Elhaj, Ingvaj, Wunyo. Again, we got the seed. Uh, Wunyo is the joy rune, and Elhaj is protection, the stag, very useful. Um, for March, we ended up with Tivaj, Rizo, and Manaj. Tivaj is the justice rune, uh, but it can mean lots of things in regards to government as well as just 
particularly the courts. Rideho is a travel rune, and Monage is the man rune, meaning humanity. Um, and in April, we got Elhaj again, the protection. Uh, Monage again, people. And Yera, which is a, a healing rune and also indicative of the wheel of the year and the harvest. So the way we interpreted that at the time was politically we were looking forward to the election and hopefully bringing in uh, new better leadership for the United States as a country. And so we were like, oh, look, in March, when we have the California primary, we have Tivaj, the justice rune. That looks real good, right? And we have Rideho, <laughs> a journey. So, you know, a journey to the White House. And Manaj, the man rune, obviously people are voting during a primary. And um, April, we have Alhaj protection, Manaj, people again, and Yara coming to fruition, the harvest. So look. Once the primary's over in March, we're going to have a great candidate. This is all looking really great, right? Only not so much, because now looking back, knowing about COVID-19, I see January, Burkano, Perthro, Ingvaj. Burkano's the woman rune, and Perthro's the dice cup, but can also be interpreted as a womb, and Ingvaj is the seed. Oh, dear. The earth has birthed something that isn't so great. Uh, you know, um, and then you get to February. Elhaj is protection. Ingvaj is the seed. Wunyo is joy. We're all very happy in February. And indeed, uh, as a kindred, we were all pretty stoked in February. Um, looking forward to the election season. Everybody was pretty happy. Uh, nobody in California that we knew had gotten sick in February, and we were joyous. So, okay, great. We're protected and joyous. March rolls around, and suddenly, oh, no, not so joyous. And, you know, um, Wuno certainly doesn't show up again in March or April, but we got Tivaj, which is the justice rune. Rideho is a journey, and Monage is the man rune. Certainly, um, if we look at the COVID-19 epidemic or pandemic, more accurately, it's spread by humanity to other humans. I mean, the man rune couldn't be more appropriate for that. Uh, Rideho, a journey, people go on journeys, people on airplanes spread it all over the world. Um, you know, inadvertently, obviously not on purpose, but still people journeying around and, um, there was certainly a lack of justice in the initial handling of it in this country in that we didn't have an amount of test kits that would anywhere near adequate. We still don't have enough ventilators for hospitals. The emergency rooms are all overrun. There's, if you've been following it, there's a lot of, well, there's a lot that we could have expected to have worked out better in the government's response. Let's just put it that way, uh, at least in my opinion. So, you know, looking at it afterwards, you get a completely different meaning. So it's not that a divinatory tool can't predict 
what's going to happen so much as the interpretation, like you guys were saying, you, you, um, you see it differently after the fact and you go, Oh yeah. Oh dear. That's what that meant. It is completely different than what you had initially thought. Like uh, Melanie, you said um, about the tower card, getting the tower card all the time. And I, I just giggled. You couldn't hear me at the time, but I just, I laughed so hard (laughs) when you said that because just this week, a friend of mine from one of the pagan groups I belong to emailed us all this beautiful link to uh, a page called Rapunzel's Tower, what to do when you have to stay home. <laughs> you know, how to handle the incarnation. <laughs> so that just just spoke to me, too. Nice. How about you, Charles? Um, do you use any divination, and do you... Do you find it beneficial? Uh, divination is, again, it's, uh, as Megan just said, it's largely, largely open to interpretation. I'm personally starting to study I Ching right now in order to have a better understanding of using a divinatory device. I also am trying to practice my runes as well. But as Megan said, I was there at the time as well, helping, helping with the notes. And yeah, like when it was first announced, I, I was among the group that was really stoked. In fact, in addition to the Wunyo rune that Megan mentioned, the one the the, the sign the joy that rune. yeah the sign that means joy, it was also like a personal rune for a lot of people, including myself, because everyone was doing prosperously personally, like everyone was doing good at their jobs, including myself. Uh, people were having good harvest; it was looking great, and then fortunes turned really quickly, but. A divination tool allows you a degree of buffering to avoid some of that shock. It leaves you from being completely blindsided by things. And I think that's really important for us as humans to have a have an idea, an inkling of what's about to happen despite our extreme, you know, um, inability to fully comprehend what exactly is coming right at us, no matter how, you know, how bright our headlights might be. Right, it's good to have at least some warning, even if we don't quite understand it. We can we can know that there's something. I also feel like divination helps us to see different opportunities that we might not have seen otherwise. Like I feel like when I do tarot readings for people, I try to I try to point out other solutions that the person might not have um, seen. So I definitely think that that any divination, it, you know, it gives us it can give us valuable insights, even if we don't quite understand that at the time and um, you know as Charles is saying it you, you get some kind of warning that something you know something might be happening so it's better to better to know than to than to not know um, for sure I believe um, so I would like to ask you guys next um, I was just, well first uh, oh Charles I wanted to ask you you mentioned the I can can you just uh, briefly uh, describe what that is for our listeners out there that might not be familiar with that so the I Ching is pretty similar in terms of a lot of other divination devices. You're casting, believe it's, uh, I'm still, I'm still kind of a novice at this cause I'm just starting to study this. Now that I have a lot of free time from my job. <laughs> um, <laughs> You'll be a pro by April. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It, it seems to me like it's a casting of sticks. It's a casting of sticks and you essentially pick them up and 
read off what read off what's there and try to draw an interpretation very similar to other other divination tools. Well, I think that uh, I believe, and you can check me if I'm wrong. I believe the I Ching is yet another alphabet divination system. And one thing people see when you're reading runes or ohm, oh wow, these mystical symbols, and they are, but at the same time, these are alphabets, and originally in the ancient world, they would have been used to write down communication, the same as we use Latin letters now. So, you know, um, while they are wonderful magical tools, that they're also an alphabet. Each one corresponds to some type of letter, most of which can be translated into English to a certain extent. And uh, so all three systems, I believe, are under that. And, and most um, most really old divinatory tools are, are of that type, uh, an alphabetic type uh, um, oracle or divination tool. Hmm. So, Ed Hubbard, I would like to ask you to answer this question. What do you think are the limitations or abilities of divination? Oh, um, yeah, I'm putting you on the well, spot. <laughs> oh, so, so everybody knows I'm a big fan of Nostradamus. Um, I've written poetic poetry. I actually put out a book called Principal Prophetica, which I was, uh, 1993. I made a prediction, a whole series of predictions, some of which will come to pass. Um, I agree with a lot of people there. So I was in Salem. I literally gave, I actually did hundreds of readings in a month. Um, at, at the Salem Psychic Fair, um, one of the busiest ones in the, in the country. And it's very interesting because I was very focused on giving value to everybody when you're doing reading. Of course, they're paying good money, and you want to give them the best advice so they can make good decisions that will be well worth more than the money that they paid for it. And I kept running into April problems in April, May, and June. And I said, well, that's the time for you to take a vacation. That's the time for you to take your vacation. I don't know how many times I said that for April, you know, like it's time for you to take a vacation. You need to take time for yourself. And I never recognized it as being a disease. So we're very flawed. You didn't know we'd all be on vacation. (laughs) Um, Well, we're not on vacation. That's a, that's a terrible misnomer because this is a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Vacations are fine. This is a project. Right. But but that idea of you interpret it. So the only way that my mind can interpret it is that you need to take some time for yourself. You need to take vacation. I didn't see. I I would have been so much better if I would have predicted that you would be forced to it. I mean, and for me, so that was a moment where I was a good reader, even a great reader, but I wasn't that amazing reader who would have made that right prediction because I couldn't see the actual cause. Hmm? So that's sometimes the limit. You can only take it from your own experiences and your own ability to tap into it and be able to interpret it. Um, yeah, yeah. it seems like the limitations are based on, you know, us. The limitations seem to be based on, you know, pers- people's interpretations and not so much on the tools themselves because they do seem to be, in hindsight, accurate. So. I think it is a lot to do with, you know, us getting in our own way of being accurate and being able to interpret things. Um, 
correctly. Uh, Julia Rain, which chat I'd like to ask you, um, do you do any practices before you do a divination session in order to help you kind of tap in or strengthen your psychic senses or do you have any like preparation rituals or anything you do to to get ready to do a reading? Yes, um I I'm a Karuna Reiki master so I do I do Reiki on myself beforehand um just to get myself kind of grounded and centered and um I kind of circulate my energy from earth and sky and then um I use uh, I have a Numite wand and I have a Selenite wand and so I use the Numite wand kind of to um to sort of ground any information I channel in and then I use a Selenite obviously to kind of keep the energy clear so um, that's mostly what I do. Nice. How about you, Beth Silent? Do you do any practices beforehand to get ready? Sadly, no. I might if I'm at a place where I will I'll be out at a function. I might walk around the whole facility just to kind of you know see who's there, and I just set the cards in front of me, have a Kleenex box nearby and a trash can and tell the people to take a deck and shuffle them up and flip them over and this is how we roll. So, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that brings me to another question because I know a lot of people don't like to have other people handle their divination tools and some people do. I, I'm in your camp, Beth, of letting people touch my cards all they want. And but can you speak on that? What do you feel is do you feel like there's a benefit in or a reason behind having having your clients touch the tools as opposed to to not touch the tools? I'm curious about what people's different perspectives are on that. Okay, so what I noticed happening to me when I first started reading for other people and I was shuffling the cards and pulling them for them is that repeatedly I was the messages seemed to be coming for me, that the, what I was interpreting on the cards and the images and everything to the other person, that it seemed more like a message that was relevant to my life. And judging by the confused look on the, re, on the querent's faces, it was, because they look at me and they're like, oh, that made, doesn't make any sense to me. And so then I gave it a try at a, at a fair in Durango, and I just set the cards out, asked them to just to take the cards and for them to shuffle and to break and to cut the deck. And then I just took the card off the top and then just laid it down. I didn't reshuffle anything. Suddenly, my readings were spot on to the person that, that, that who shuffled the cards themselves without my interference whatsoever. And any time I went to try to shuffle the cards on my own, a lot of times it it responded to wanting to talk to me and I found that I had to put that barrier up between me and the cards and just let other people handle my work so that the hmm. readings would be much clearer and relevant to them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And if in fact sometimes even when the I have the person shuffling them, sometimes I'm guilty in that way is that I can see this reading is still about me, not about them. And I'll have to be like, okay, well, you should reshuffle. <laughs> um, Megan, I wanted to ask you, what's your opinion on that? Do you let people handle your tools of divination or or no? 
Uh, yes, absolutely. In fact, I consider it somewhat essential that they do. Um, I like to have people pick the runes or ohm out of my bag um, because runes and ohm are um, more 3D than cards. Uh, it's fairly easy. Um, although it's easy to draw cards, too. I've, I've had tarot read for me. I, I don't read it myself, but I've studied on it a little bit. Um, so, um, one of the things that, that does is connects in a physical way, the energy of the person, be it, if you think of it as an aura or their chi or whatever you want to put a term to it as the person's energy signature is directly talking to my tools and then the runes or the ohm that that person draws can be more connected to their question as opposed to me doing it. If I'm doing it, you know, my energy is going to dominate and um, that's not in my mind as accurate. Now, it can be done that way, particularly if you use, say, some visualization, have the person really concentrate in their, on their question and, and, and visualize that question flowing towards you with their energy, their need to have an answer. Sure, you could do readings over, say, the Internet or the phone, but if the person's actually there... Um, I would say it's required. Given the current crisis, um, obviously we're not doing much of that right now, but, uh, if we get to a time and I don't think we're, we're very close to that right now when people are more allowed to, um, to be in the same physical spaces, uh, then I would say um, using rubbing alcohol or hand sanitizer. Um, personally, I have a, a spray bottle I keep in my purse and use all the time um, just to sanitize everybody so everybody's safe before they touch it. My my own set is wooden, and my rune set is Riverstone. So a little hand sanitizer or rubbing alcohol isn't going to hurt them, unlike with cars, but, you know, you probably have to be more careful there. But I I would definitely want to um, keep sanitary practices in place in the future uh, when we do get back together. Although I think uh, as a scientist, I've been really following this very closely and um, – I think we really need a minimum of uh, 60 days of shelter at home and, and uh, you know, self-quarantining to make sure that the virus is gone because a lot of people are dying and that's, uh, that's unfortunate. And preventing any unnecessary further deaths is definitely something that should be everyone's goal, so... Absolutely. We all want to stay safe and well through this, and we all want to be able to survive and get on to 
better, brighter days. And hopefully through our divination methods, we can gain some insights into how we can best do that. Um, so I want to loop into our conversation. I don't know if they've called in yet, but we do have a few more guests that will be joining us tonight. Um, Rob Abbott, who was on last night, um, he grew up raised in around Appalachian root work. He does tarot readings, palmistry, um, different types of divination. Um, also, Sora Mim, who does tarot and um, bone divination readings. She was also with us last night. Um, she's the owner of Pe- she's the owner of Peacock uh, Publishing Company, and she's also expert in herbalism and ceremonial magic. And we'll also have joining us Marcus Keyes, who was also on the program last night. Marcus has a very unique style of divination that he uses keys, like old skeleton keys. Um, So I'm looking forward to looping them in, and then we can um, discuss some other things. Um, Ed, do we have anybody else that's joined us yet? So So far, the only individual we've got joining us at this time is Marcus. All right. Well, hello, Marcus. Will you tell us oh, a little bit on. about your um, time? Give me one second, two, three. There's Marcus. There he is. Hi, Marcus. Hello, everybody. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us, Marcus. Um, so yeah, you, I know well, you do divination with the keys. Can you tell us um, just more about, like, what all kinds of divination that you do? And um, just tell us a little bit about your um, personal divination practices. Yeah, sure. So um, I have been working in a divination system for at least a decade as a professional. And I first started with uh, tarot cards, uh, building upon that, and also my work and love with keys, uh, skeleton keys too. Um, I created a system with uh, old keys that that are given to me, and then also some that just end up joining my path. and when I'm working with a client, uh, we actually work with the item with the keys first. I have a box of about 40 different keys or items in my in, in this box, and that is the first part of the reading. I ask the client to share some of their energy by blowing into the box if it's a one-on-one face-to-face uh, session, and then ask the question, get a little bit more about where they're at right now. I use uh, I work with those keys actually as more of a diagnostic uh, to see where that pe- person is currently, uh, a snapshot of their life right now. And then I follow up with uh, tarot cards um, to see what remedies or solutions can we incorporate in moving energy um, if they're blocked or anything like that. So um, I work with the Hoi Polloi deck, uh, which is out of print uh, since 1974. And this deck is actually given to me by my teacher, Tommy Starchild. Um, and uh, on the back on the back of it is actually a skeleton key with it as well. So it just kind of fits with um, my with um, what I'm working with. That goes well. So with the, with the keys, if I understand correctly, are you saying like, that you, you, like, read the energy of the key, or is there, like, a, sim, a system of, like, this particular key signifies this? Like, how, how does it work? Yes. So the each key actually represents a different aspect of that person. Um, one can represent their family. Another one can be their love life, money, their physical body, their physical health. Um, also, uh, 
the different aspects of their life that could include their employment, um, also nightmares. Uh, each key basically will tell me that they represent one specific thing and then they go into the box. I have one key representing ancestors um, and uh, each, each of the keys actually will have a, um, a shaded or black uh, side to it to show like the opposite or the counter, um, the counter solution to that message. So if there was the ancestor key that comes up um, part of the reading and it's blackened, you know, are you working with your ancestors? How's your connection with your family? Are there things that are coming up in your life that have um, been a challenge uh, with other family members? Uh, is there a family, um, is there family behaviors or family curses that you're trying to overcome, for instance? Hmm. So you really created this system. It sounds like yourself. Like this sounds like something that's totally creative. I know I, I know a lot of people that work with keys and their magic, but you're the only person I've ever met that can use keys in that way for divination. And like, how would you feel about like, a, is this something somebody could do on their own? Like, I mean, obviously it would be better to get you to do a key reading, but if somebody was interested in trying this, could they put together their own set of keys and try to come up with their own system using that? I feel anyone, you can use any item for hearing hearing the voice of spirits um folks have i mean as we we have tools that other that cultures have shared and brought forward from um times past um like runes and shells and um bones and i think we can use almost anything to help us uh, decipher the messages um i know somebody uh that actually uses feathers uh in a pack when they're reading a client and for them um, they actually will uh, get any, they'll get feathers that were, um, that were uh, ethically uh, sourced and they'll paint, they painted a uh, certain points of them to represent uh, the color of the situation, things like that. So um, I've seen people use buttons. Um, I know of another worker that actually uses uh, charms along with tarot cards um, and she will do a, she'll do a weekly reading um, for that. And also um, I will actually post on my Instagram um, and also Facebook, a weekly reading uh, that incorporates a tarot card and also one of the keys that comes out of my box. Or sometimes, sometimes they will actually have, they'll come in pairs and they'll say like, I need to be included as well. So when it comes to the, when it comes to the keys that I work with for my divination practice, I'm listening to them. I'm listening to what they're actually saying. It's um, it's that relationship I've established. Um, I'm focused on that solely versus um, the it versus like how you would interpret imagery in tarot or the symbolism uh, with another tool. Hmm, that's really interesting. I feel and like so it's important to have. I was going to say, you have your last two guests, Rob, and I believe Soro are here with you. So you have your whole panel for the second hour. All right. Hello, Rob. Hello, Soro, man. Hello. 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 Welcome. Hello. All right. Thank you for having me. Oh. We got to have these beautiful souls on our show last night as well. Uh, I just want to briefly, can you, um, uh, Soro, can you tell us a little bit about your divination? That you do, and then Rob. Yes, 
um, I do, so I professionally do tea leaf readings as well as bone readings. My topic for the convention was on bone readings. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to mention during my presentation was that when it comes to other people trying to learn a new form of divination for the first time, a lot of it can seem really daunting and overwhelming, especially with something like tarot that has um, so many associations that go along with each individual card. Uh, depending on what type of deck you use or what type of system you follow, that there are uh, Hebraic alphabets, there's zodiacal, Kabbalistic associations, so it all seems kind of overwhelming. Um, but one of the things that I really try to teach anybody who's trying trying to learn this, this form of practice is to uh, go back to when it was easy. We do a form of divination all the time. We do it as children. Um, he loves me, he loves me not. Or seeing faces in clouds or uh, hearing voices in the leaves, in the wind. Um, all of these are different forms of learning something from the unseen or spirits speaking to us. And using something like bones is just another type of tool. Hmm. How about you, Rob? I know you you do tarot and uh, palmistry. Do you do any other forms of divination? Or can you tell me about your interest in it? Yes, Rob I've actually Abbott? been doing divination. Hello. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Rob Abbott, oh, you're great. on the air. <laughs> so tell us about your Thank divination you so methods. Yes, I've actually been doing divination methods as far as early on, particularly with mediumship as a young child, being able to, of course, see spirits and communicate with spirits. Later on, of course, over the years, developing that and knowing fully what that particularly pertain to and the meaning of mediumship as well as as you mentioned I honestly I do tarot oracle playing cards palmistry and like Miss Ror I actually just recently spirit and my ancestors has recently led me to learning to throw the bones so I do a wide variety actually of divination Nice. Well, I'm excited to have y'all all join in for this conversation tonight. Um, now, something that Swordman was touching on is the difficulty that that new diviners find in trying to master a new system, especially with the tarot in particular. There's so much, there's so many books available, and we're lucky for that, and so many decks available, and we're lucky for that. But it can be just really hard to sort through you know, for a beginner and really overwhelming to someone who might feel like they need to, you know, memorize every meaning and, you know, memorize every, memorize every card, memorize every ring, um, you know, whatever it might be. Um, do you have any tips, Rob, for um, a beginner starting out in divination, what a beginner might could do to, to help them along their journey? That's very, I love that question. That is, yes, absolutely that's brilliant. Uh, nice question. Um, a great tip uh, from my perspective for a beginner would actually, besides tools, uh, cards, bones, you know, they're all just divination tools. So I would definitely say, first of all, set a sacred space. Be able to set a sacred space. Definitely 
be able to, within that sacred space, call upon your spirits that you particularly work with. If you have, let's say, a particular pantheon, you're a spirit guide. Mm-hmm. You're, in my case, as a worker, definitely when I set space, I set space and, and petition my ancestors to therefore definitely help within the divination process. Uh, for a beginner as well, I believe it's very imperative not to be overwhelmed. But as you said, and I believe uh, uh, Soror maybe and a couple other folks have pointed out, that there are tons of books and there are tons of, of course, now with Google and the Internet, tons of sites and things. It's very imperative to know reliable information and where that information is coming from in the day and age of so much, per se, oh, I don't want to be facetious on air, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there that's just not accurate information. So it's very imperative for a beginner to actually know your resources and know whom you're looking at as far as if you're looking at books and if you're looking at information that you have reliable sources and reliable information. And again, spiritual discernment, intuition, of course, us to do this professionally, we know that it's been named and called so many things since the beginning of time, whether we're talking soothsayer, whether we're talking oracle, whether we're talking diviner, you know, and all the different tools and methods. So it's very it's very important to know your basics and to where you get your reliable information from. It's very imperative. All right. Absolutely. Um, I actually want to ask Charles this question since Charles you said that you were beginning to study the Eaching, um, what can would you feel um, comfortable speaking about any challenges you faced or any tips that you found that's helping you to learn a new system? I figure I've noticed that's kind of like learning a new language. It's a little overwhelming at first, as as you just stated, but at the same time, if one can keep one's mind open, like I'm trying to right now, it it's really enlightening it's really it's really important for learning a whole new way of communication which i think is the basis of all divination it's just basic communication from person to person learning a new way of that is always valuable and being able to help others on their path with this method it's a really really good thing to look forward to when learning it and that's That'd be my that'd be my little thing for anybody else who's also starting to learn a new form of divination. That's a great perspective on it. Um, Julia Rain, do you have any um, insights on what what would be your tips that you'd share with a beginner and how they can better tap in and learn divination? <clears throat> I um I actually do this all the time uh, because I. I work at a metaphysical shop, so I help beginners pick out their first tarot decks a lot. And then I also teach, like, I teach a weekly, like, tarot, um, tarot we call it Tarot Tuesday, and so it's a tarot club where we kind of, I, be, I help beginners, like, get into it. And so I would say, like, I think learning, like, if you're drawn to right or wait, like, get it. Because I feel like it's going to have the most, um, it's going to have the original symbols, and they're, 
it's designed so perfectly with all of the symbols making sense that um, for me, when I was learning traditional right away, it's just like, it just started clicking all of a sudden because um, the way I read it's connected to palmistry and numerology and astrology. It's all together. Um, And I think that that might be intimidating, but I think it's also, um, it can also be grounding and helpful because it kind of gives you um, a path. But I also say that, you know, if you aren't, if, if you don't um, resonate with the Rider weight imagery at all, then you probably shouldn't start there. That's my advice. Like, when I started tarot, I was a 12-year-old girl, and I was not going to, I didn't buy Rider weight. I bought the goddess tarot, you know, because that's what appealed to me. But then I ended up studying traditional tarot because I fell in love with it. So I would say, you know, get what calls to you, certainly, and, like, interact with it, meditate with it, don't concentrate on the meaning so much as like this the, the feelings it evokes in you like because your subconscious is soaking up all of those symbols even if you're not memorizing them and your subconscious is really where all of your information is going to come from anyway absolutely um can you just describe a little bit you mentioned you know finding a deck that calls to you um for somebody that's not familiar with these terms, like how would you describe that? Like how do you how does a person know if something resonates with them or not? Um, like how would somebody that's not very you know, not very familiar with the psychic lingo, like how how would a beginner recognize that feeling of that's the one? Well, I would think that a big to me, it seems kind of like what you would do with a crystal. Like, even people who aren't metaphysical at all, but maybe, you know, like crystals would go into some sort of, like, rock shop and there'd be one that they were really drawn to, one that they really liked. And maybe they thought it was because it was really pretty, but it's really the energy. And so I feel like people do this all the time. They just don't call it what it is. You know, you'll be, you'll be you know, shopping somewhere and something will catch your eye. And it's really the energy resonating with you. And so that's sort of how I explain it to people because they, they say, oh, you know, should I really do my research and really think about it? Or, and I'm like, well, you know, yeah, but also just, you know, let yourself open up and see how, how they make you feel. Does one make you feel, you know, good? And I feel like getting in touch with that ability to sense that in the first place is, um, it just kind of shows that they're, they're, it's the right time for tarot. Right. Absolutely. Um, Beth, do you have any tips to share about what, what you think is um, can help somebody learn divination if they're just starting out? Okay, so this is the teacher part of me coming out. And when I've talked to people about learning how to read images, when I spoke earlier about the semiotics, there's also another aspect called the VTS, the Visual Thinking Strategies, which is really effective when first going through a deck and to try to get the feel as to how is the illustrator and the the tarot artist conveying the message because within each of the different tarot decks, one that you might be drawn to may have a certain type of focus in life that it's about and everything. So it might not be quite like right away, but you just absolutely love the artwork. So one of the suggestions I've given people is to, as you're have the deck at home or you're looking at it at a fair is to as you open up the card and you set a card down and ask yourself what's going on in this picture what do you see that makes you say that and then what more can you find before you even try to start looking up the 
meanings, it has to be meaningful to you. And so when you have a card that resonates and you see the images and they instantly uh, log into what that card would mean to you in that aspect through the story that you see emerging through the visual language, then that, that is a fantastic way to build your own interpretation of the card. So when that card comes up in a reading, instead of just parroting what everyone else has said or what I have said it means, it's what you need to say to someone else or you need to hear through your own words as to what it means to you in respect to what you're asking about at that time. Hmm. That's interesting. That's a good perspective. Um, Sora, ma'am, do you have any more tips to share about, you mentioned um, you know, how it's so easy to get overwhelmed for a beginner. Um, do you have any other strategies to share for what a person can do to boost their confidence in learning a new system? Well, you know, practice, I think, um, there can't be enough said for just in the doing, reading cards, reading bones, whatever it is that you do, um, just doing it on a regular basis. Uh, with regard to choosing which bones you use or curios or any other types, I, I have um, in my set a bunch of things. I have stones, I have some sticks, some uh, skins of different animals. It kind of depends. Um, everything is ethically sourced. I don't buy anything. That's another uh, big point of mine as well. Every bone I have has either been given to me by other practitioners or friends or by nature. Um, so everything in my bag is, is really uh, speaks and resonates with me in a way. And psychometry is a really good tool for that as well, uh, to just sit with a piece and feel it in your hands. And um, I, I typically use the form of psych psychometry where you use your non-dominant hand on uh bottom and the other on top and then reverse it and see if you feel anything different with your receptive or projecting hands. Um, that's a good practice with I do for individual pieces. Um, another thing I do is I tend to see patterns not just in, in the throwing of the bones itself but patterns in which individual piece uh, will come up in a particular reading. For example, I have this piece of moonstone that always comes up with um, mother-daughter type of relationships. Even if it's not specifically a mother-daughter, it tends to be uh, a mother figure or a daughter figure in somebody's life that is really impacting the reading. Um, so I, I tend to note these individual personalities of each piece that comes out. And that's really important, too, is just sitting with them. And um, interestingly, I, I don't throw the bones for myself. For some reason, when I am, am drawn toward divination for a particular issue for myself, I, I'm drawn more towards Lenormand or uh, tarot, which, which I find really odd. I tend to do uh, the throwing of the bones for other people. So I, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just my ancestors speaking through me because it is very closely related to my ancestor work. I keep my bones on my ancestral altar. They really speak through the bones quite a bit. Yeah. And so, yeah, they just, um, it's something that I'm not really meant to do for myself a whole lot. Okay. Those are great tips. Um, Marcus, do you have any advice for beginners starting out there? If they want to use keys or tarot or whatever they're using, what would you advise a beginner to help help out? Yes. I would advise for a beginner, um, whatever system of divination you are working with or beginning to work with, 
it's okay to it's okay to not know every symbol. It's okay to not know everything at that moment. You're a student. You're learning something new. Uh, basically, don't beat yourself up if you get the devil card wrong or um, if your signs or symbols are not making any sense um, right at that moment. You know, um, it takes a while. Most of us actually have been doing this for years, so we have been in that same place where we think nothing really makes sense. Or this doesn't make any um, this doesn't make any story that I can read off of this at the moment. You know, it will come in time when you can actually learn how the communication works. And the second thing I would also like to mention: when you're reading other people, you are not responsible for the choices that they make and the outcome of things. When you're reading other people. Um, you are giving them an example or a snapshot of what is currently happening and advising what options they have ahead of them. Um, if they, if they want to go forward, if they want to go backwards, if they want to maintain certain things, you know, it's their choice what they want to do with the information, but you are not responsible for the outcome. Hmm. Oh, that's important, important to note. Very important to note because yeah, like, you know, it's nobody wants to be the bearer of bad news, and it's hard to know how to convey things. And I find one of the challenges as a reader is, you know, figuring out how do you say something to somebody if it's it's very negative. You, know, you always want to put the positive spin on things and show people those other options there. But as you pointed out, Marcus, like, you know, ha- having challenges, like, that's nothing new. Like, and it's something that doesn't go away. Like, even if you've been reading here mm-hmm. for you've been reading for years, we all still have some challenges. So let's talk about that. Like what are what do you find are some of the challenges as oh. a diviner and specifically what do you do when you get that, that problem client? We've all had them. They just sit, oh, yeah. sit there staring at you with their dead deadpan expression and don't say anything or they just suddenly you know, shaking their hand like how how do you deal with that? Like what would you advise people for that? What are some challenges that you've had personally? Uh, for myself, actually, I have a really good story on that <laughs> um, because there was a follow-up a year later. <laughs> so last tell. year, uh, yeah, last year uh, when I was working at another shop, um, I I forgot what occasion it was, but we were doing. Um, I was doing readings, you know, for a set price, things like that, and. Um, uh, a person came in and the reading basically kind of went towards asking, you know, the client to just pay attention more to, you know, their mother. And then the client said, well, my mother just had surgery uh, for um, for some, like, life-saving measures. I'm like, oh, that's really good. I'm glad, you know, well, then I would, you know, that the, the, my keys, well, I didn't even get to cards yet, but my tools basically were telling me that the mother still needs to, you know, have more comfort, you know, to basically – um, have more have more time with her right now. It's a time to spend with her. And the client asked me, you know, like, oh, well, that's really dark right now that you're that you're going into that. And I stopped and I'm like, well, what's dark about it? And then she just said, I don't feel comfortable with this reading. I think we should stop. And I said, that's perfectly fine. You know, you do not have to. We do not have to continue if you don't want to. Um, we can uh, we can pick up at another time if you want to take my information. Here here's my card. I gave her my card. She accepted it, and um, she went on her way. And but and the owner of the shop asked me what happened, and I just told her that you know the the reading um, wasn't to her liking, and you know that 
she just wanted to stop. And I, there was perfectly fine with it. Um, I felt like it really wasn't, um, if it wasn't speaking to her, that's perfectly fine. Um, and then that was about a year ago. And I would say three months ago, I ran into, um, I ran into the young lady that I read at another location um, during a time when I, I wasn't even at that shop giving readings. I was at my day job and I was getting lunch with another coworker. Um, I saw, I saw, um, I saw a young woman in the corner of the restaurant who, with dark glasses, and she was kind of slouched, and just like saw that there was somebody there in the corner of the restaurant. Um, then this uh, this young lady came up to me and asked me, like, "Oh, you're the key guy." I'm like, "Excuse me," and she's like, "Yeah, you're the key guy. You you, you worked at the shop." I'm like, "Yes. How are you?" And I didn't recognize her at first, and she's like, "You raised, you gave me a reading that was really dark." And then she took off her glasses, and I finally recognized her. And I'm like, hi, how are you doing? And she told me that uh, she was not in a good space. Um, she had, the day before she came in for that reading, um, her dog had died, apparently. She was really concerned about her mother, and apparently I scared her. <laughs> and I told her, you know, like, I, I apologize for that. You know, my readings basically are are just basically an interpretation of what the symbols are, of what my keys are saying. You know, if I created an unsafe space, I'm sorry. And that I wish my language could have been more, you know, more to what you were needing at the time. Uh, she accepted my apology, but it, body language and from how she was carrying herself, I'm not too sure if she was still in a, in a good space. I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm sort of making a judgment right there, but just seeing what, where she was at, I hope she's okay now. But, um, that really kind of told me, like, it, sometimes, you know, clients are not wanting to listen. You know, some certain clients may not be ready for certain messages. Yeah, and sometimes the, the bearer of the message gets blamed. So I think that's sometimes why we have trouble. Yeah, you know, sometimes people just, just like we can misinterpret readings for ourselves, you know, because we're not ready to hear the information. I think that goes the other way, too, if we're doing readings for some some people, you know, sometimes they're just not ready to hear it. So we might get the impression that, you know, we're not getting good feedback, but it's important to note that, you know, you might be right about it and they just might not be ready to hear it. Um, Megan, have you had any challenges as a reader or have you had to, ever had any um, problem clients that you've had to had to deal with? What are your strategies? Well, um, firstly, I have to say that I don't usually read for money. I usually just read for people I know. Um, I, I have occasionally done that at, at festivals, but um, but I don't uh, do so uh, regularly. Uh, I make my living in the academic world, or usually do. Um, right now, most people are having trouble in that area, including myself. Um so, um, no, I, I really haven't had so much a problem. I think that the importance um, in in a situation where a person might not be open to what you have to say um, for my own uh, purposes is if someone's not ready to hear it, A, they're not going to hear it anyway. And and you're very, very right about that. But um, 
but B, to be able to kind of roll with the punches is important. Uh, I remember doing a reading for a young lady I had just met uh, in half-price books in the metaphysical section. And um, we went over to the Chili's restaurant that happened to be in the same plaza because I offered her a room reading. She was very interested. We had this long conversation. And I said, well, I can read you if you'd like, you know, it's not a big deal. And um, so we went over and did the reading and she had a, a question about a former flame who she had started talking to again. And she described some parts of uh, her experience with this man and then uh, wanted to know what she should do since they were suddenly talking again after several years. And um, so I, uh, I had her draw some runes and um, the things that came up sort of indicated communication and none of them were particularly negative. So I said, maybe this is uh, good. You have connection rune, communication rune here, and et cetera. Uh, And uh, because she got um, Evaj, which is um, connection with another person who is different from yourself. In this case, she and this man differed in gender, obviously. Um, and she had Ansuj, which is uh, a rune of communication, among other things. And my first interpretation, my first instinct in interpreting um, what she got was to tell her that her communication and connection with this man might be positive uh, because nothing indicated otherwise. But then she got really trepidatious about the idea of that, and she started talking to me about some of the negatives of the relationship they had had, and I went back and I said, this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go there with him again. Yes, you're talking to him again, but that doesn't have to continue. Um, The idea of personal responsibility is really important and you could easily interpret it the other way. Uh, You have communication and they were communicating, you know, it could have been present as opposed to future. So, right. Maybe that was. Your point, Megan uh, is absolutely spot on. It's so important to, you know, to know what to say, know what to say, and you know, let people know that it's not like, you know, the end of the line, whatever the reading says. It's, you know, it lets you know options so that you can, so that we can change things for the better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Rob Abbott, what, what, do you have any challenges that you found in their common to divination? Like in your own practice, if you have, have- what do you find challenging? I have uh, ran into a few challenges over the 20-plus years that I've been doing different forms of divination. Uh, first, I would like to address, if, if that's okay, uh, 
a challenge that I find myself is the discrepancy within whether or not that I can remove my own ego in order to see past if I'm trying to do a reading for myself. I find that that's one of the big variations that often folks, you know, people, some folks say that they read very well for themselves and other folks say that they don't do so well for themselves. So that has definitely been a challenge in in the aspect of removing my what I would like to see versus what spirit is showing through the divination tool. And secondly is specifically referring to clients or folks that I've done many readings for over the years to specifically pinpoint something. Um, I had a very life-changing experience a couple times doing, doing specifically mediumship and tarot. And through those experiences, I found it a life-learning lesson, not only for the client, but definitely for me as the, as the reader, as the messenger, which was, is that this is the most, most likely path that one is on, and this is a spiritual guidance. But yet, in the end, in the end, it's imperative that I learn to express that, you know, when I do readings, I always, you know, at festivals and things, I think in shops and what have you, you know, they they most likely have the signs. I've seen it a hundred times to where they say, this is for entertainment purposes only. I don't go that route per se, but I do go the route to say this is the most probable outcome. Probable outcome. This is guidance, and you do have a choice. You know, this is a... This is where you are, and it's imperative to know that you do have a choice to change. You know, is that's an age-old question with divination: is the future always set in stone? It's very, it's very deep. So yes, I've had I've had several challenges. Of still, I mean, still after all the years that you know the reactions, I think that it's very important as well. I think Marcus mentioned it earlier brilliantly. Uh, the reactions from clients is not your responsibility. It is absolutely imperative to know that what they do with the information and what happens through the divination process is their responsibility, not the reader's responsibility. That I learned that the hard way um, through the, the reference of a couple life-changing experiences that I honestly had through readings. Tarot teaches us quite a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> All our divination methods. Yes, absolutely. Um, Beth, I wanted to ask you, what, what do you have any um, challenges that you faced in your reading practices and um, what tips you might have to share about overcoming some of the challenges of divination? Okay, so earlier the the main one was shuffling up the cards and me shuffling the cards and then suddenly the reading is about me and not the querent. And so by having the querent shuffle the cards and lay them out, then that resolved that issue. And that, that's been my main one. However, I do have a funny story of one incident that happened in, I'll go back to Durango, Colorado, because Durango is awesome. If you can ever go there, people, go there. Uh, <laughs> I was reading cards and this 
these two women came into mine, booth and everything. They're like, yep, we decided you're the one that's going to read our cards. And I'm going, okay. And so I, I shuffled them myself, and I laid them out, and I told them what the cards interpreted as. And then both of them, was the, the one that was sitting, she said, no, no, I don't understand that one at all. And I said, well, maybe it's your friend or your friend behind you. And the one behind her says, no, no, not me at all. No, nope, doesn't make any sense to me. And I kind of stopped and I really looked at the cards and I looked at them. And I was like, you know, I said, I don't think I can read for you. I just call it at that moment to say, yep, nope, it's not making sense. I am not the reader for you. At that point, the pair of them let me know that they were both witches and they had put up walls around them before they came in my booth to see if I was going to be honest with them. (laughs) 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 Gotta love a witch. (laughs) Yeah, the pair of witches came in to test me to see if I was going to be honest with them. Well, you passed the test. (laughs) I passed the test. They dropped the walls and I gave them a reading that absolutely made sense for them. So, yeah, you, those two, sometimes people come in with walls, whether they realize that they have or not. Sometimes people don't, you know, like those lenses I spoke earlier of, when we approach tarot through a lens of what we really want to have happen, we don't want to see the truth. We, we come in with a wall, and a lot, that's a lot of what I think is the blockages that people face. They don't realize that they're coming in with a wall, and they don't want to hear it, what is yeah. going to be what they want it to be. Yeah, I find sometimes yeah. it's you can get kind of around the wall by kind of using the person's spirit guides or spirits that might be kind of around them. Like sometimes I'll ask the guides discreetly, like, hey, shuffle these cards. This lady's not doing it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes <laughs> you get a couple of witches that know how to get the spirit guides to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And one thing you bring up, I think it's so important to to be brave enough. Like one way to overcome our challenges as a reader is to be brave like Beth was and to be honest. If something doesn't seem right, you know, have that courage to and integrity to say, I'm sorry, this doesn't, you know, we're going to have to reshuffle or we're going to have to try later or sorry, I'm just not tuning in right now. Um, you know, I've, I've been reading since I was 10 years old, so I've been reading a long, long time. Um, you know, I've definitely had to do that before and had the person did it reshuffle and, you know, or sometimes it just doesn't, you know, just doesn't seem accurate at that moment. And But it can be awkward and embarrassing in the moment. But I think it's really important to to realize our limitations as readers and to be honest about it if it's not coming up right, you know, because you never know. You might just be being tested by some witches like Beth was. You never know. Somebody might just be acting like, you're not, um, you know, doing what, like I read for this lady the other day and she just, uh, oh, it was over the phone and she just busts out with, let me ask you this, are you psychic or do you just read what's on the cards? <laughs> she said it just like this. I was like, well, I, you know, I read the cards, but I'm also you know, kind of psychic, you know, I do my best. And she's like, oh, well, I was just wondering. So then, like, I continue with the reading, you know, and I felt extremely awkward and, like, oh, my God, none of this is resonating with this lady. Oh, no. But then at the end of the reading, she's like, that was entirely accurate. That's why I asked you that question. So you just, like, never know what to what to expect. So I think it's important as readers with whatever tools we use to just really 
trusting your own intuition and judgment and be honest. You know, if you're feeling something, say it. If you're not feeling something, say that too. Um, so I would like to, unfortunately, we're, our time is already getting near the end. So I would like to go around and um, I would like to hear from all of you offering your best tips uh, for divination. Anything else you want to share about uh, divination? Marcus, can you get us started with that, please? Any final thoughts or tips for best divination practices? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to help um, start, the, start the end. We, um, start start small. <laughs> start small if you're using a deck of cards, if you are working with another set of divination tools. Um, start small. Uh, like do a, Draw an item every day just to understand the symbolism, things like that, and incorporate it later on in your life uh, or into your practice it's not you're not going to have every answer or anything like that um, or understanding immediately it will take time Um, two uh, like i said earlier you're not responsible for other people's uh, decisions so if you choose to read for other people um, you are basically giving advice you are just having them see other options that they do have for the choices or for whatever is laid out in front of them and then three, I would say have a backup as well for divination tools. So, yeah, for instance, um, I have my cards and my keys at home uh, when I'm not doing a reading or when I'm not scheduled for a reading. But sometimes I may be caught and I need to have – I need to get some a clearer direction or um, I'm not hearing my spirits or um, I'm not getting – a clear message. I will have another tool in my pocket or in my bag. Some people use a pendulum uh, or they will use um, a body testing method uh, where they, the, the muscle reaction to certain things. Um, to um, They will pay attention to their body to see if there's a reaction on, on a certain topic. So um, have a backup tool in case your tools are not readily available um, and also trust, you know, trust yourself to see where they can lead you. Those are great tips. And so how can people connect with you, Marcus, if anybody listening tonight would like to connect with you online or get a key reading from you? Is that is that possible? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, you can find me. Well, you already know. You already have connection to me. <laughs> but um, I know, uh, but other me. people who aren't as lucky to know you might need to know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, you can find me on... Um, you can find me on my website, which is MarcusSkeletonKeys.com. Uh, I, um, I have my products and also services and readings um, priced already out. Um, at this time, if you are wanting a spell candle um, or if, you, um, if you're wanting a spell candle uh, for $20 for the herbs and oils and, and also for the magic that goes into it, half of the, half of the earnings will basically go towards uh, the global relief efforts right now for COVID-19. And also, my readings are available uh, throughout the week uh, from 12 to 6. Um, also, I make skeleton key talismans. And you can also find me on Instagram, which my handle is the skeleton key. And there's underscore between each word. So the underscore skeleton underscore key. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your insight with us. Um, Julia, can you tell us what tips you have for um, tarot reading accuracy and any final thoughts on um, 
you know, any form of divination, what would you what would you advise people um, for better divination readings? Well, as far as accuracy goes, you know, I felt kind of like lost and vague in my readings until I learned like my traditional tarot system and, you know, it has the correspondence to astrology, numerology and palmistry. And so there's just so much um, validation and backup and you can take, you know, the cards correspond to each other. So you can have the minors as the details and the court cards as the players and then the majors as like the major happenings in your life. Um, And so you can end up getting like a range of detail from just, one card and so I think that like learning those correspondences can be really really helpful especially because I would definitely say don't be afraid of reversals I heard someone say um once that you know we don't need to add reversals because there's already too many scary and negative cards in the deck and it's like yeah but they don't mean the same but they don't mean the same thing because of the numerology and the astrology and it it doesn't work that way it's like, you know, it, it's the number resonating or not. It's like, is this a positive expression of this sign or number or a negative expression? And so I feel like having, you know, my mentor would call them advice cards. He didn't call them negative. He didn't call them reverse. He didn't call them, he called them advice cards. And he said, you know, it was ridiculous for people to come to a tarot reading if they didn't want advice. So, um, so he certainly... Instilled, instilled that in me, and it honestly made things clearer. Hmm. And I won't say that's that it's a, for everyone, but, but for me, yeah, definitely a lot of clarity. Um, and he, I, I will tell you this, um, he decided at the end of last year that something was going to happen and he needed to not be near a city because he's disabled and vulnerable. So he decided to move to uh, Helena, Montana. Oh wow! So, and he, yeah, and he taught me his system because he wanted to make sure that someone knew it and that it survived. Wow! So I sounds like you have so some I, good knowledge to share. I I I am so like amazingly lucky to have had him. His name is Mark Wexler as my mentor, and so the things he taught me I value quite a bit, and I'm happy to share them. And I hope that other nice. people can find that excitement for tarot that I have. Well, I hope so too. And I hope that we can have you at our in person mystical minds convention at some time in the future that none of us psychics have been able to foresee yet. <laughs> so we'll see you. <laughs> Let me do a reading and, and we'll get this together. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to um, having you at the convention yeah. whenever we're able to do it. I would absolutely love that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being on. Um, Megan, do you have any uh, thoughts on the tarot um, uh, tips that you have to share about? Um, not, I keep saying tarot because I'm a tarot reader, but I mean divination. No, that's and whatever <laughs> kind of divination that you happen to do. <laughs> um, so uh, I I pulled a few while we've been talking, and uh, the first tree that I got from the Ohm was the Aspen. Um, and the aspen is associated with elders and also with healing. And uh, since many of the people who are the most seriously ill are elderly, and we definitely need healing, um, 
that's kind of dead on. And uh, from the rune set, I drew Kenaj. Kenaj is the torch. So it's fire, but it's, it's good fire. It's controlled, productive fire that human beings can use. So um, a lot of times, Kenaj is uh, used to mean work, basically doing the work. And I think that that's one of the things we're doing here tonight is um, finding innovative ways to do the work that we need to help all of our people, be they in the pagan community or uh, even in the wider culture, to keep that connection between people. That's kind of why we're here tonight to help each other uh, even though we're not in person. And um, so those are kind of my final thoughts for the evening. Um, If people did want to get a hold of me, I am uh, very willing at the moment, although um, most of the time I only read for free for friends, we are both out of work at the moment, like so many people uh, with shelter in place. And I'm very willing at very reasonable costs to do some readings. Um, if people would like one, my phone number is 510-396-2439. And please text me first because I screen my calls. So, uh, just tell me your name and why you're texting me, and I'll I'll certainly respond. Nice. Um, Charles, are you there? Do you have any final final thoughts and wisdom on divination that you could share? Um, as I said earlier, just keep a goal in mind. And in these trying times, I think that's really important because the more, uh, from what I've been learning through my divination studies. The more you believe in something, the more likely it is that you will make it come true. It's a way of making your own destiny, your own fate. So it's not like everything is out of your control. You do have a little bit of control on it. You just, you know, as corny as this sounds, you just got to believe in yourself. That's great advice. I really appreciate you joining us tonight. And both Charles and Megan, I'm really glad that you guys called in and were able to. Um, to um, have this conversation with us. Um, I was reminded that I forgot, I don't know if Julia, is, is Julia still there? Did she already um, get off I'm the here. conversation? I'm not sure. Oh, you're there. Okay. Um, would you share with I'm us here. how if people could get in touch with you if they wanted to? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I actually, um, I work at Lightweavers Academy in Citrus Heights, which is right outside Sacramento. And um, when we reopen, I'm actually, I'm available there uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. I do, um, like, tarot and book and witchcraft, but personal shopping. I also offer readings um, and astrology and numerology charts. And uh, and I'm totally happy to do those online. I can do them on Skype. I can do them by phone. Um, I would, if you're in the area, I would definitely, definitely check out lightweaversacademy.com or our Facebook page. Um, but you can also have uh, my direct number if you would like a reading from me. It is five three zero seven zero one five one one eight. And also, um, I'm doing a free tarot club every Tuesday on our Facebook Live channel. So catch that if you want to. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Beth. Do you Thank have you. any uh, final 
divination wisdom for us. Okay. Um, I agree with a lot of what everyone else has been saying all along. Is And to add on that, there's one little key point a couple people back, and they he mentioned about the more you practice something, the more it becomes a reality, which is like manifestation. And when that starts to happen, I'll caution everyone as t- tips and tricks is when you start manifesting things, make sure you keep them short, sweet, to the point, and in the positive. Because whatever you say, it's going to start happening. And that when that shift happens, it's really amazing. Uh, and let's see, what else? The, and thoughts, just give yourself time. And if it if your reading isn't going right, people don't understand it, just walk away from it because maybe you were not meant to read for them at that point in time. And that's, that's just a few little tips. I, I know I could go on, but the, that's the big thing. Just the manifesting thing, be very careful. It's like I wanted, okay, case in point, I really wanted to go dance with a friend of mine, and I happened to be out in my kitchen one evening, and I was like, you know, I haven't seen my friend in a while. I want to go dance with him. And I only said his first name. So I go out to go to dance class. And as we're going around the circle, this guy approaches and says, oh, hi, I'm, and it's the exact name I asked for in my kitchen. And oh, wow. started, then I, yeah, so I was dancing with <laughs> Tom, Tom Hardy, Tom John. Hardy, Tom Hardy. Just, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I started dancing with all these Johns all summer long. And finally I was like, all right, I don't want to dance with these people. I want to dance and be very specific when this starts happening because otherwise it, yeah, it gets, the universe You might end up like, with a okay. lot of jobs. <laughs> yeah, you end up with like, I currently I have like five or six jobs. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> That's like the job I wanted. But happily, the, the real job that I want, you know, we still chit-chat. So that's good. <laughs> uh, that's so, yeah, so be careful what you wish for. Wish only uh, put forth what you really want in your life and give yourself time to learn the technique in your own manner because there's no right, there's no wrong way of learning things. It's It's a matter of you developing your own language as far as, helping you in a divine process to communicate that onto yourself and onto others. Absolutely. That's very well put. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Uh, So, ma'am, do you have any final divination words of wisdom for us? Yeah, uh, I just want to thank everybody, first of all, for their input. This has been amazing. But one thing that I want to stress to everybody is to be true to your convictions. Um, When you are getting a message, trust it. I've had numerous clients, like we talked about previously, just did not like what they were hearing or really thought that I wasn't quite hitting the mark, and I, I would try to reframe it or reword it or ask my spirit guides, Um, you know, for more clarification, and I would still get the same message. And I finally had to just admit that perhaps this person doesn't quite understand what or where this message means in their life at this time, Uh, but maybe that will take some time for them to see, oh, that's what she meant during this reading. 
Um, so trust that whatever message you're giving is is going to get its point made, whether they hear it or not. Their spirits are hearing it behind them. Um, so hopefully it will come through and manifest in a way that's important and healthy uh, moving forward. But thanks hmm. again for having that's me. That's really on. good. Yeah, um, I do want to ask you just one more thing. Um, I just know you're so super talented. Um, what what has helped you the most in your own practice to um, to you know, to learn more to develop your skills to the level that they're at? Um, do you find that it's it's stuff that you learn through practice mostly, or um, um, intuition, or mostly practice, but also my my familiars, my guides, my angels that I work with. Um, I don't do any of this alone. This is not just me. Um, I don't claim to to think that I'm any kind of guru in any way. Um, I, I'm a member of orders and of the covenant, uh, traditional witchcraft covenant. So in, in being tied to these other people, I know that my energy also feeds in with theirs and vice versa. So it's really important to me to remember that all of this is done through the help of my spirits and my familiars around me. That's plants. Um, and a lot of it is just with listening, listening to plants, listening to my bones, listening to them, and shutting myself up sometimes, which can be very difficult when my mind gets going. I'm an air sign, so it's always just running. And I, I tend to think that we can get a little in our heads sometimes. So getting myself out of my head and just trusting what is in front of me. And don't ever stop learning. I, I'm constantly learning, constantly reading. And and all of this is so tied together. But thank you for the compliment. That means a lot. Yeah, thanks so much for being on. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they wanted to connect with you online? Well, certainly through the links on the Mystical Minds Convention page um, and through Ed's page now. Thank you for having us on. And you can also find me at Ye Old Magic Shop. That's Y-E-O-L-D-E-M-A-G-I-C-S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. And all of my services are on there. I can do uh, Skype, phone. I also provide Zoom courses. Um, so, yeah, take a look out for those. Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you so much. And I do hope that when we can have our real convention that you can be there. Absolutely. <laughs> so Me we're too. all hopeful. <laughs> um, Rob Abbott, would you like to um, tell us, please, your any um, final words of wisdom regarding divination and any other tips that you wanted to share with our listeners tonight? Everyone has spoken so brilliantly. They covered, oh. they covered much of what I would have personally spoken about. To make it simple, short, and sweet, we're running out of time. So to make it simple, short, and sweet, stand firm. Stand firm in your learning process. <clears throat> the messages that you receive to absolutely I I just want to reiterate, you know, that that it's so important to stand firm, listen to your spirits, as Soror just said, as as many of the uh, lovely uh, other presenters have spoken about, they covered much of what I would have said. The thing is is that to be persistent that there is no correct way of learning, that all of us have a different um, great perspective of, you know, from different personal experiences, and therefore just to, just to continue and be persistent and to be open to your spirits, to be open to your ancestors, to be open to your guides, 
and to be a perpetual student of the universe that's very important and and as well as you know as I would like to reiterate I spoke about it earlier in my situation I always create sacred space I think that's very important and to always give thanks to always give thanks to give thanks to your spirits to give thanks to your ancestors to give utmost respect that's uh, you know I, I truly believe that's the utmost utmost importance you can reach me at mystical mojo by business page on facebook as well as on instagram i do offer a variety of spiritual workings as well as many different forms of divination i have been doing facebook lives on thursdays to in a way of giving back which i offer divination services you feel free to reach me again at mystical mojo which is my business page on facebook and mystical mojo 13 is my whatever you would call it on instagram thank you guys everyone for having me on again this evening much love and blessings thanks so much rob i do have one final question for you though before i let you go here because i know that you are an intuitive reader um who taps in a lot to your psychic sense when you're doing a reading and I was just curious if you had to break it down into like percentages like when you're doing a tarot reading of how much information you're getting from the cards directly and the interpretation of the cards and how much comes from just tapping in and we don't really know where it comes from what would what would you say for that where those is that ratio or can you even is, is it possible to to look at it that way and and discern what's coming from the cards and what's coming from our own intuition. The, to me, personally, the cards are, and any other divination tool are actually just tools. So they just emphasize through the many different variations and styles according to what using, uh, what spirit is. Me, personally, I always give my tools to the ancestors first and ask my ancestors Therefore, they're given to the ancestors, so the ancestors are already there with me, standing by me. And that aspect of, I believe, what you proposed, the question that you proposed, um, spirit. Uh, so the ratio portion, honestly, if I had to put it in a ratio, thank you, by the way, that's a brilliant question. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, my wheels will be turning about this one the rest of the evening, and. I would say fifty fifty. I would say the split. That would that would be honestly that would that would be split right down the middle. I, I I again as an intuitive reader, I I pick up a lot regardless of a tool. You know, from a person's energy, from a person's aura, the spirits that are around them, of course being a medium as well. Uh, being able to speak to you know people that have passed and and ghost and and to see and to feel and with other psychic aka intuitive gifts all that comes into play of course and so i honestly i, I melanie i would have to say that it's split i i think it's split honestly right down the middle as far as meanings and and the things that i get through particularly tarot you know, I, I don't always go by a book definition. Some, and particularly, not to get too personal, but particularly since I have an eye disease, I honestly can't even read a lot of the books. 
And so therefore, I just, I connect through the symbolization on the cards. Uh, again, uh, one of the guests honestly correlated it with numerology and astrology and the other systems as well, which is brilliant. So that all comes into play as well. And and uh, so, yeah, I use, I use, I use the uh, tarot, the oracle, and other divination tools just as a tool. I don't think that person necessarily has to have a tool in order to do divination. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just you can't really divide it. Like when something comes to you in divination, like you just got to you know, trust in it and let it out. So I really appreciate you sharing your tips yeah. tonight, Rob, and thanks so much for being on and for joining us tonight. Thank you all um, so much. Anyone? Yeah. Um, anyone listening out there tonight, you can get in touch with any of our presenters through our website. It's mysticalmindsconvention.com. And we will sometime in the future, whenever it's safe and wise to do so, we are going to have an in-person convention. Um, but for right now, you can still look on the page and see all of the wonderful, lovely people that we're planning to be presenters um, with us. And their websites are listed on there, and you can find contact info and Mystical Minds Convention email is also on there as well. So you can sign up for updates about our convention. And um, tomorrow we'll be joining Ed again for our third and final Mystical Minds broadcast on the Ed's show here. So please join us tomorrow as we're going to discuss healing techniques and for our first hour. And then for the second hour, we're going to be talking about spirit communication and paranormal investigation. So it should be quite an interesting show. It definitely does sound and that so, way, and I'm, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, I really appreciate you having us on on your show um, tonight, Ed. Well, it's, it's fascinating, and um, it's been a, a, well. We try to bring as much information to the community as possible, and this is important to support. People can get a flavor for it. Um, did I see that you have T-shirts for sale on your site for people who want to help you? Is there I any did. way that people can help you? Yeah, they can go on. Well, for now, they can just stay safe and happy and try to survive this <laughs> like we're all doing. Um, but, yeah, our, our website is mysticalmindsconvention.com. We do have some awesome T-shirts designed by Andrew Harris of the band Foxen. And we have some stickers with the same design on it. It's got a little witch and a ghost and an alien and a unicorn in the design to show, like, how we're all coming together, like you saw tonight. And, you know, we have very diverse people coming together for this event and in our online community now, people making connections with other people that they might not have otherwise got a chance to meet. So that's really what we're trying to bring to this convention is that, you know, you don't have to have a label. You don't have to choose what group you're going to be in or choose your identity, choose what type of witch you are or what type of metaphysical practitioner you are. You can just be you. Like, we're all who we are, and we all have lots of various interests and you know labels are only good if you want that label you know no one no one has to be divided no one has to choose and take sides between if you're interested in metaphysics and new age or if you're interested in magic it's all open and it's all for everybody so we're really hoping with what we did tonight and what we'll do tomorrow and the actual convention to be able to awaken in people their um, you know beliefs in their own abilities 
And with that, folks, uh, we're saying good night. You've been listening to the Pagans Tonight Radio Network, bringing you the Mystical Minds Convention, uh, great panel and divination for the day two. Tomorrow we'll be back for day three. PagansTonight.com. Thank you, and uh, continue to support all the good people out there doing their work. Thank you. And we're gone. There you go.